Now, back to Severe Reaction, powered by Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. Here's your host, Michael Sevier, on 1620 The Zone. Snap down, kick up, sailing towards the uprights, and the kick is good. He knocks one in there. First field goal for Timmy Bleakroad, and that is an All-State field goal. Get protected from mayhem this year when you switch and save with All-State. So you get points off the turnovers, and Oscars have a 10-point lead. Welcome back. Severe reaction here on 1620 The Zone, brought to you by Equitable Bank, where they take banking personally on a daily basis. And we'll answer the phone, of course, on the first ring as well. 46-yard field goal. Um, you can really hear on the missed field goal, the short missed field goal. And by the way, the wind was blowing into Bleak Road's face on the miss and kind of across at the same time. That stadium's wind, since I've been here, has changed so many different times, right? Whether it be North Stadium expansion, what happened on the East Stadium, it really has changed. So it's now much more of a swirling wind at the north end. And then at the south end, it's kind of just blowing straight through. It's kind of a weird rotation that happens down there on the field level. And so it kind of looked like to me a little bit that the wind did push it. But he missed the first one and... With all the problems that Nebraska's had on special teams, you get this in the stadium. But then turns around, kicks the 46-yarder um, to get some points on the board for Nebraska in the first half. The first half where, and you heard it probably if you listen to the post game or listen to Big Red Overreaction, the limited amount of time that Nebraska had the ball with the nine minutes and 23 plays, you know, and the opportunity to have it four times, not including the the kneel down at the end, it puts you in a situation where any points you get obviously are important. Nebraska has struggled for whatever reasons. And, it, and this is not just under Scott Frost. This has been an issue that they've had for under Mike Riley at times. And it's not about red zone offense as much as, because that's important, right? You get inside the 20 or you get inside the 10, however you want to say it, red, green zone. Um, yes, it's important to get touchdowns. We all know that. But when you proceed to drive, have a successful drive, right? That means you cross your team's 40-yard line, the, the, the opponent's 40-yard line. Right, so that's a successful drive in general. There's a lot of things that go into successful drives. It's kind of complicated. It's it's like getting 60% of the yards you need on first down, you know, and then getting like 50% of the yards you need on second down or 30% of the yards you need on or third down. It's like a very complicated process. But essentially, if you get past the other team's 40, you've had a successful drive because the analytics people think you're going to score points, that you should score points, that with a decent field goal kicker, with a decent offense, that you're going to get down and you're going to get points probably 80% of the time. Nebraska's not that team, and they haven't been that team for a long time. Again, this week, in the first half, you have two drives where you get a touchdown and you get a field goal, right? Two drives that you get across your opponent's 40, and yes, you get points. But again, 10 points, two drives, 50%. So five, that's a five finishing drive rate. 0.50, which is fine. That's, that's where you want to be. You want to be at that point. You want to get at least five points every time you cross the team, your opponent's 40. That's what you should do. Nebraska's not there. Yesterday, for example, seven times across that 40-yard line, they end up averaging, I think it was 4.2. I did the number. Yeah, 4.42. Um, you had the touchdowns. You had a fumble. You had the missed field goal. And then another field goal. So your opportunity, of course, if seven times times six is 42 points, that's how many if you got touchdowns every time, that's a 100% rate in your finishing drive rate. In their situation, 
and this has been consistent, whether you want to go through, actually, I think 2019 was the worst one I could remember. And that was the year where Nebraska had so many turnovers in the red zone, so many turnovers in that success area. Um, where they were, I think they were like three, I think it was 0.35 or something like that. It was horrible. You go back and you look at the teams that are winning in the, in the conference, and you go look and you see Iowa, right, who was horrible yesterday. If you feel really bad about Nebraska and the way Nebraska's offense played at times, <laughs> go back and watch some of that Iowa game. It was miserable to watch, miserable. We're all sitting around before the game watching that game, and you're like, is it still 3-3? Yeah, it's still 3-3. Have they got another safety yet? Okay, 5-3. Um, but – in general, their efficiency on offense has been great. Wisconsin actually scores on a lot more explosive plays than you'd think. A team that's so built on running the ball, on so much on play action, they score actually a lot on explosives. But when they get down there across the 40, they're very, very efficient. Um, Michigan State last year was very efficient. Um, obviously, Ohio State, efficient. We know how good they can be. But the majority of the good teams in the Big Ten are efficient when it comes to getting across the teams, the opponents 40 yards and scoring. Nebraska has to fix that. It helps when you got a field goal kicker that can make a 46-yarder, for sure. It helps when you have a quarterback who can run. Because we've seen this now. If you want to be able to score inside the red zone, you have to be able to provide yourself with a running threat. And the running threat does not have to always be from a running back or a wide receiver. If it's from a quarterback, it makes you more efficient in the red zone. So starting of all the things yesterday that we learned from Nebraska against North Dakota, because that's what it was. It was a, a game to learn things. You learn that, yes, you can get a couple of rushing yards, maybe 20 or so of them, from Casey Thompson. We saw a couple of runs where he made some moves and got first downs on the runs. But if you really want to make this work, and I think this is a battle between Mark Whipple and Scott Frost, you're going to have to be able to have somebody who is more efficient running the ball at quarterback. So that means, look at what happened yesterday with North Dakota. They bring in a backup quarterback who was more the running quarterback, and he gets them those yards. How many times do you watch Minnesota? And Minnesota, it seems like every year, has a guy who's a designated running quarterback for them. And yes, I know it makes you predictable in spots. It does, for sure. But at the same time, it also allows you to do some things like Minnesota did to Nebraska last year. Was that last year or two years ago? Where they did the pop pass or the uh, like kind of a jump pass where they bring their running quarterback in, he steps up and he throws the ball. It, it allows you to do a lot of things if you have that other quarterback who could come in and rotate. And if that quarterback can throw, like a Logan Smothers has proven he can, that makes it even better. And I'm not saying you have to use Logan Smothers in this situation. It, it could be you know, Logan Smothers could do it. We've seen him do it. We know he can do it. Um, I, I really believe that a guy like Matt Masker could do it. Matt Masker is a powerfully built dude. Big lower body. I think he could do it if you just wanted to use more of a designated guy. And then Heinrich Harburg is a good athlete, kind of a long strider. But if you need a big guy who you want to run some zone read with, you want some keeper, he can do all that. No problem. So you have the options. If Casey Thompson's not going to give you the running option in that situation, then fine. That's okay. Have a quarterback that can get it done and that'll work. In my, in my opinion, that has to happen in 2022 football. You know, it's funny. If you watch Ohio State, Stroud doesn't want to run, right? He, he's not a runner. He doesn't want to do it. But you saw it a couple times yesterday. Opportunity runs for him where he saw the opening and he took it. Bryce Young, your Heisman Trophy winning quarterback from Alabama, 
doesn't necessarily want to run, but he takes the opportunity runs when they're there and goes and gets first downs or goes and gets touchdowns. That has to be one of your options. And I don't think Casey Thompson, just watching him, is completely capable. And if he's not capable of doing that, I don't, I, I don't know if you can just let it go and not have that in your offensive strategy. You can't have that in your play calling. You have to have it in your play calling. Uh, the big debate was, and I'm going to ask you to play this uh, chance, the big debate yesterday, at least in the press box, and then you started seeing it on, on um, social media, was first half play calling, the second half play calling. You know, was, was it a change in play caller? Did we go from Whipple calling the whole first half to all of a sudden Scott Frost calling the second half because we saw a designated zone read run and maybe some of the stuff looked a little bit more like what Scott Frost would call. Um, and the question was asked to Scott Frost about whether or not who did the play calling. Um, do you see that one? Yep, play that. Scott, who called the plays in the first half and who called the plays? I'm not going to get into that. But uh, all I'll say is we got a lot of smart people on the staff, and the more we can cooperate, the better we're going to be. All right, so I understand you don't want – the last thing you want is to have a controversy of who's calling plays – that's a Scott Frost play. That's a Mark Whipple play. In the end, they're all Nebraska plays. <laughs> it's Nebraska's offense that's running the play. Whoever called it, you know, it's funny because people think that you just, as an offensive coordinator, you have this play sheet and it's just all you. And to watch what happens in terms of the what do you have left to get, second and six, who's on the field in terms of personnel, to the point where the play is called, there's a lot of stuff happening. Urban Meyer on Fox Sports a couple years ago did a great breakdown for people of everything that goes into making a play call. It was one of his arguments why a head coach shouldn't be an offensive coordinator because there's so much that goes into it. It's just not Mark Whipple making the call. You have people up there saying, who's now in for the defense, right? You have identifying what you need. Before the, the other play is even done, you've already thought, okay, what are my options? There's a lot going into it. If the play is somebody like, I remember Ryan Held last year. Remember he he gives a suggestion on running a play um, that they end up using. If it comes from the running backs coach, if it comes from the wide receiver coach, if it comes from, it doesn't matter who it comes from. You just have to get plays that work. It's pretty simple. And I think Scott Frost did a good job of answering that question because you don't want to get into that conversation on who's calling plays, if Scott took over plays or whatever else. Um, I just know Frost went in the locker room. We'll play that, that bite for you going in the locker room. He went in pissed. And then later, while he was in the locker room, figured out, well, yes, the offense isn't playing great, but, whoa, we only had 23 plays. We only had this. So he um, kind of understood more of what happened and kind of apologized. You see that bite where um, he says, uh, oh, did I not send that to you? Oh, I, I got to send that to you. I'm positive. Let's go to the phones. That's where Scott is, 951-1620, 402-951-1620. Good morning, Scott. How are you doing? Hey, good morning, Michael. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, great to see the cool news about your son. That's fantastic. You just look so happier than ever. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. You bet. Um, hey, it, it seems pretty obvious that this O-line, until it matures, needs a couple things. Number one, it needs a, a quarterback who can contribute to some degree, and it's good to see maybe that's starting to happen. And also, you know, I feel like Anthony Grant has produced a lot of the yards himself, right? He hasn't been given a whole lot feels like we haven't had that for a while, but I'm curious to hear from you just based on what you've seen. Is he, as this line tells and becomes at least average or maybe better than average over time, how good can he be? 
Thanks, Michael. Have a great weekend. Hey, man, you appreciate it. Have a great Labor Day weekend. I, it's been a while. <laughs> if you're a Nebraska fan or you've covered this team, where there's a running back in the backfield that does what he does to make guys miss. Divina Zigbo in 2018 was really good, especially when the hole was there for him. I don't know how many times there were guys a yard, even two yards in the backfield, and Anthony Grant made him miss. Damon Benning talks all the time about eye back play, and what's the number one thing he wants is balance. Anthony Grant's balance is amazing. His stop and start is amazing. And I made a joke on Twitter that the offensive line made a deal with Anthony Grant. Hey, look, we're going to block, hey, we're going to block nine of these guys. Two of them are yours. <laughs> you know, or we're going to block four of the guys up front. The other one is yours because that's what it looked like. He had to make somebody miss. He's a skilled kid. And, and Scott Frost said we're not going to crown him already uh, because of, you know, what he did here in this one game. But if you watch the run he had against Northwestern, it was tough against Northwestern. Uh, that defensive line was in the backfield a lot, and the offense wasn't making a lot of holes. Offensive line wasn't for Nebraska. And you go watch him yesterday, he was making the same guys miss. Obviously, it's a lower level, but I think he can be really good. And I thought he could be really good when he, we first saw his tape coming from junior college. You know, the only concern about really in fall camp or really the summer was he wasn't in great shape when he got here. Um, he was a little overweight. He was struggling in practice a little bit. Uh, but here, here's something that I was told by uh, a couple different junior college guys. Brandon Kinney told me this years ago, that you just don't get the same treatment going to those schools as you do while you're at Nebraska, especially when it comes to off-season stuff. So he went from playing for that team, New Mexico Military Institute or whatever, and winning the, you know, winning the junior college player, offensive player of the year, and then about six months or, or however long he was, or three months, where he really didn't have – the support of food from the university or being able to have the workout room from the university, that kind of thing. And so when he got here, he wasn't in great shape. He just wasn't and really struggled. Had that great play in the spring game that gave us an indication of what he could be. And from there on, you've seen play after play after play. How will he play against Big Ten competition? I think he'll be good. But as long as that offensive line struggles the way that offensive line has struggled, I, I just don't think that he can be... I don't think he can be even divine as Zigbo numbers. I don't think because the offensive line was better in 2018 right now than it is. Um, I, I made a ranking of what I think is the biggest problem for Nebraska right now. Ranking the worst stuff. Tackling is one. You cannot miss that many open field tackles. You can't miss that many tackles where you overrun the play. You just, you just can't. We know that. Two, in, in, inconsistent offense. We went over about what happens when you get over your team's 40-yard line. How do you do on first and second down, early down success rate? How do you do inconsistent offense? Yes, they've been great first drive of the game, first drive of the second half. They've been great. Everything else at times, eh, very inconsistent, number two. Number three is turnovers. Another game where they lose the turnover battle. Another one. How many have we seen throughout the Frost era? How many have we seen going all the way back to Bo Pelini? It really is an epidemic at Nebraska. I don't know why, but for some reason, they just continually lose the turnover battle. Lost it again yesterday, 2-1. Four, that's where I put offensive line. Because I think the offensive line has, and I'm going to go with stars, has the talent to be good. Turner Corcoran was considered to be a top recruit. A lot of people wanted him. Bryce Benhart, one of the best players coming out of Minnesota, right? A lot of people. Minnesota, yeah. A lot of people wanted him, right? You look overall at this line, 
Yes, you have a couple of guys. Teddy, Teddy Prohaska, uh, four-star. A lot of people loved him. They have the talent, I think. I think it's just going to take a while to be able to develop that talent and have them in the right positions. That's I, I feel for the offensive line, but that's at number four. Number five, I put defensive front because, and we'll go over the defensive numbers in the second hour, but you, you cannot, you have to have an impact on the other team's offense. And they went too long without having an impact in terms of havoc. And then six, and I'm going to say this over and over again, lack of return game. Lack of return game. Eventually, you're going to have to make a play in the return game. Now, I know it wasn't easy yesterday with the way the wind was blowing and everything else, but I think they had two kickoff returns for like 20 yards or something like that. I mean, you that this can't happen. You have to have a make a play in a return game. And that's way down at number six, but it still can help you win the game. How many times do we see games, hell, against Nebraska last year, where a big return made all the difference? So those are my six in terms of ranking the worst. But tackling, inconsistent offense, turnovers, offensive line at four, defensive front at five, and then six, lack of return game. Do I think Nebraska's offensive line will be better in by, by Indiana than they are now? Yeah, I certainly hope so. I, I, I think Don Rayola, just a little bit of time, I knew him when he was the Nighthawks, um, knowing people who he's coached, um, I think that he will help them get to the point where they at least look respectable. I just don't know how long it'll take. And I think by Indiana, we'll know if this offensive line can play at the level they need to be or if it's or if it's not. Let's go back to the phones, 402-951-1620. Then we'll take a break after that. We'll go to Fitz. Hey, Fitz, how you doing? Hey, Michael, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Good, good. Hey, so you just mentioned that uh, offensive inconsistency, especially in, the, uh, in their uh, half of the field, is something you were talking earlier about, you know, Matt Masker, uh, Logan Smothers, maybe maybe getting some of that run, running quarterback in there. Yep. What, in your opinion, what do you want this offense to look like? Last year, they would go, they were flying, and then they struggled inside the 30, back inside the 40 for the most part, just couldn't score. You know, we just, every year there's, there's something, and it just never puts it together. You kind of equate it to golf sometimes. It's like you're driving really well. Um, your short game is horrible, and then when you finally get there, you're putting. You just can't ever put it all together. Right. What do you want it to look like? If you could, if you could go down there, write it up, pick your plays in a way. What would you, what would you want it to do? So, Fitz, you're talking about identity, right? What, what I think the identity of the offense should be. A L- little bit of identity, a little bit of, you know, I, I guess it's kind of like, do you see a few plays so far? Whether it's Whipple or Frost, you know what, Frost, you know Frost offense a little bit better. What are those go tos that you know that they can work? Because it appears, you know, and I, this is, you know, a layman's observation here that when there's things that are scripted, it just, it just moves. But then all of a sudden, I don't know if it's indecision with the coaching staff, if it's, you know, things like that. But yeah, what, what is that identity, I guess, in big picture that you think could propel this team to kind of get over the hump a little bit more? Hey, Fitz, we appreciate the call. Uh, my, my concern is that this is going to be an offense that only operates well when they have explosive plays. Yesterday they had 16 or 15 explosive plays, 10 of them running, and that's great. Three of the best drives they had involved three explosive plays, meaning they had receptions over 15 yards or runs over 10. And as much as I love the idea of being explosive and you need explosives, you also have to be able to line up and go eight plays or six plays and score. I'm not sure if Nebraska against Big Ten competition can do that. That's a concern. What I like to see the offense be, and this is not just because it's the Big Ten, but 
I do believe you have to be able to run outside zone successfully in this league. You have to be able to line up with your offensive line. They have to be in lockstep. You have to have running wide receivers on the edge and tight ends on the edge who can block, and you have to be able to run that play. You have to be able to line up and run the play and then come back and run some counter stuff where your quarterback is an option to be able to run. You have to be able to do that. Um, but most of anything else, I think this team needs to be a team that runs a lot of deep comebacks because I think that between, by the way, we saw nothing from Garcia Castaneda yesterday. I don't know why, but Trey Palmer's best route is a comeback where he is acting like he is running deep simply and topping and coming back. I think that's Castaneda's best route as well. Um, I think there's guys on this team. I think even, you know, Brown's best one is doing the same thing. I think it needs to be a lot of that. Um, but in general, I, I hope it's a 60-40, 56-44 run to pass ratio. That's what I hope it would be. If it's not that and you're going to say that you're going to be a team that's going to throw the ball 60% of the time, I, I just don't think you can, you can win. Unless you are Ohio State, which they, they did last year, I don't think you can win that way. I just don't. But the identity should be, Running the ball at a 56 to 60% rate, running a lot of outside zone, having success with your offensive line, play action off of that with Casey Thompson, uh, let him make the play, get him out of the pocket so he can see over the offensive line because he's not tall. Um, there's a lot of parts to it. Uh, I, don't, I hate to say be versatile, but that's what Nebraska's going to have to be because they have pieces, parts right now. You know, they're basically a McNugget. They're pieces, parts. They're not yet a full piece of chicken, if you want to say. They're not Popeyes. Um, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll look at some of the defensive numbers and how long it took Nebraska to really get going and how that's a concern going forward here on Severe Reaction on 1620 Zone.